Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 jesus has been making his way throughout the galilean countryside in every need that he encounters there's a healing that takes place people are coming by the droves at this point in time by the time we get to john chapter 6 it says that there are 5,000 men in the company. They've all been following Jesus, and they're bringing with them their sick. They're bringing with them those who have needs, and they're seeking out Jesus. Why? Because finally there's someone who's brought some sense of hope to them. How many had suffered for years, and now they hear that there's this traveling rabbi who maybe just maybe might be able to take from them their ailment, and so they come. They show up, and Jesus makes his way with his disciples up upon a mountaintop, and he looks out over the masses of people that are gathering to seek him out, to find him, desperate to know him. And he looks to Philip, one of his disciples, and he says, I want you to go and to find some bread. And Philip says, where, where can we go find bread for this many people? And even if we had 200 days worth of wages, it wouldn't be enough to fulfill the needs of all of these people. If you put that into context, think some, somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty dollars to $25,000 today. If we had $25,000, we couldn't buy enough food to feed all of these people. But the scripture says this, he asked Philip this, but he knew what he was going to do. Just then, Peter comes and he says, hey, I found a young boy who has five barley loaves and a couple of fish. And I've often wondered what it would have been like to be this little boy, carrying his bologna sandwich with him. That's what he had, right? And he's there close enough to overhear this conversation. Jesus wants to feed these people. Somehow he understands that there's a need that is about to be met, and he brings what he has. It's just a few loaves and a couple of fish. That's all I've got, but I... Gladly give it to you, Jesus. And what does Jesus do with that? He takes that bread. He gives thanks to the Lord. He begins to break the bread. And the scripture says that they feed everyone there as much as they want. He does the same with the couple of fish. People are eating until they're full. And then he asks his disciples, now gather the fragments that are left over. And there's 12 baskets full of leftovers. And the scripture says that they marveled and they thought this must be the one we've been waiting for. And then it says that so much so, so convinced was the crowd at that point because this miraculous feeding had taken place because one little boy was faithful with what he had. The, the people began to glorify God and it says that Jesus had to escape because they wanted to take him and make him king right then and there. But it began with the faithfulness of one little boy who had a few loaves and a couple of fish. 
And I've often wondered what it must have been like to be that little boy, to see Jesus take what was available and to use it and to bless so many. That's what I desire for my life. Daniel was a man, I think, who would have understood exactly how that little boy felt. Why? Because here was a man who was humble, who came with what he had. He'd been taken captive. He's been taken from his home. He's been taken from his parents. His name has been changed. They're trying to rob him of his identity. He knows that all he has is the Lord in this point in his life. That's all that he has to cling to, right? That's all that he has. And word goes out that Nebuchadnezzar's upset because he's had this dream that has really bothered him. And so the word goes out that the wise men need to come and they need to not only interpret this dream, but they need to tell the king what the dream was first. And no one steps up to the plate. There's no one who's found worthy. There's no one who's capable, able of doing what Nebuchadnezzar requires. And so the word goes out by Nebuchadnezzar, every wise man, they're frauds. They say they hear from God, but it's all just a trick. If they could really hear from God, they would know the dream and be able to interpret the dream, but there's no one in my kingdom that is really real. No one who's really hearing from God. Kill them all. Daniel hears this, and we saw last week, he goes to his three friends. He says, we need to pray. We need to pray that God reveals to us what this dream is. And they go before the Lord, and boom, Daniel receives this vision from God, this revelation from the Lord that something's going on here, that, that there's a, a dream that has been perplexing Nebuchadnezzar. And he gives Daniel the revelation of this dream, and so we're going to see exactly what the dream was. We saw last week how we kind of pick it up. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel, in his faithfulness, bringing what he has before the Lord, saying, God, I want to be faithful with what... He brings his loaves and he brings his fish. He says, Lord, the people are going to die. These friends of mine are going to die, and every wise man throughout the kingdom is going to die. I need to hear from you desperately, God. Will you speak to me what this word is? Pick it up here, Daniel chapter 2, verse 27. We're going to... Read a couple of the verses from last week just to bring us up to speed. Daniel, verse 27, answered the king. And he says to him, no wise man. Now, he, he, he's saying, I've got this dream. I've got the revelation of what this dream is. If you have your notes, take those out. I want you to write that down first. We're going to look at the revelation of the dream. And here in our first subpoint, specifically, Daniel's going to address the source of this dream, the, the source of this revelation. Who's giving this revelation? And he begins by saying very clearly to the king, to Nebuchadnezzar, in the witness of everyone in the kingdom, he says this, verse 27, Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. What is Daniel doing? He's saying, there isn't a man alive who can do what you're asking, Nebuchadnezzar. Not a man alive. That includes himself. There is not a man alive who can do what you're asking them to do. It's impossible. It just isn't going to happen. Now, these wise men, again, they're the magi. We see them coming to bring Jesus the gold, myrrh, and frankincense. Pastor Walter shared that with us last week. These enchanters were ones who used incantations and cast spells. They were sorcerers, those people who were, were considered uh, to be kind of like, like uh, dabbling in the dark arts, so to speak. These magicians, a part of the occult, the astrologers, those who tried to read the stars in order to find out what truth was and what revelation looked like. And so Daniel says, all of those people, they can't do what you need to see happen. 
And I wonder Nebuchadnezzar's thinking here for a moment because, again, he must have been surrounded by people who were constantly telling him what he wanted to hear. Have you been a witness to that in your life sometime? Right? It's a dangerous thing if you surround yourself with people who are constantly telling you only the things that you want to hear. But Nebuchadnezzar, surrounded by those types of people in his life, he says, I want you to tell me what the dream is and then tell me what it means. Right? Impossible. Now, if you think back to the time of the Egyptians, if you think back to the time of Pharaoh, way back then, even during those days, the magicians and the astrologers, they were able to produce, manufacture false signs to lead astray and to even trick Pharaoh. Remember, Moses cast down his serp or his, his, his staff and it becomes a serpent. And you know, Pharaoh's magicians were able to duplicate that false sign or that sign. He, uh, Moses' staff enters the Nile River. It becomes blood. You know, the false magicians, those magicians were able to duplicate that sign. Moses calls forth frogs from the land, and the magicians were able to duplicate this sign, right? They were faking these false signs. And Nebuchadnezzar at this point is saying, look, I want to know that you hear from God. I'm not willing to listen to fakes or phonies anymore. I'm not looking for someone just to tell me what you think I want to hear. I want someone who's hearing from the gods, in his case, right? They're polytheistic. I want someone who's really in communication with the gods. Daniel says there isn't a man alive who can do what you're asking, but Daniel's going to do something, isn't he? Now, just for a moment, I want you to apply this just just briefly. You, You need to surround yourself with people who are willing to tell you the hard things, And I'm going to tell you this also, a fear that I have in in life today is that we are surrounding ourselves even with people in the church that are telling us what we want to hear. It tickles our ears. We don't want preachers that are going to actually call people to repentance of real sin. Why? Because it makes us uncomfortable. Why? Because that's judgmental. Why? Because we, we just don't feel comfortable listening to talk about sin and repentance and turning from wickedness and turning to God. We want to feel good when we leave. And if you don't make me feel good when I leave, I'm not coming back. Nebuchadnezzar says, I want someone who's going to tell me what I need to hear. The church needs people who will tell them what they need to hear. You know, my, my, my favorite times when I'm able to preach is when I'm leaving and someone says, I feel like the Lord was speaking to me today. Why do I love those times? Because I know that wasn't me. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin. If you have a problem with conviction, don't take it up with the preacher. Take it up with Jesus. Take it up with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, who is the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. We need people who will tell us what needs to be said today in the church. You know, the problem really isn't censorship Is it? It's not censorship on social media. It's not bias in news outlets. You know what the problem really is today? Is that the pulpits are being censored because pastors are afraid of a woke culture. You know what Daniel says? He says, I'm willing to be someone who's going to tell you the hard thing. No one else can do this. Only God can deliver this word to you, right? So again, look at what he's saying here. He he says this. He says, There isn't a man alive, no enchanter, no magician, no astrologer who can show the king the mystery the king has asked, but there is a God in heaven. That was the title of last week's message, right? And just when things seem difficult, when things seem impossible, like this scenario for Daniel, it seems impossible. And with man, it is impossible. In my flesh, it is impossible. But when you bring God into the equation, there's nothing that is impossible, 
right? Amen. You can clap. You can clap for that. That's my, that's my, my go-to phrase, right? So he says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. The word reveal means to make publicly known. The word mystery is a secret. What this scripture is saying, what Daniel is saying is there's a God in heaven who makes public the secret things. Now, that can do one of two things for you today if you hear that. Some of you think, great, then God can speak to me. Some of you think, oh, no, then God can expose me. There is a God in heaven who makes known the mysteries, who reveals the secret things. And Daniel's saying, yes, this might seem impossible, but I know my God is able to do what is impossible in your kingdom. I wonder, where do we turn when we are in need of direction? Who's the first person that we seek out when we need some sort of advice, when we're looking for direction, when we really truly are stumped with what to do in life, who we're supposed to pursue in relationship, what kind of uh, job we're supposed to pursue, what we're trying to learn, what, what, what our life is going to look like, how we're supposed to continue on when it feels like there's no, no end in sight to the bills and the debt and it just is overwhelming. Where do you turn when you need revelation because what Daniel is saying is you turn to God. He's the one who knows the secrets, and he has the answers, right? So how many times have you gotten yourself in trouble because you listened to someone before you listened to the Lord, before you went to the Lord? And again, like our, our culture is filled with people who will tell you what you want to hear. You can turn on Dr. Phil. You can turn on Oprah. You can watch plenty of things that will just, it'll soothe your soul and make you feel so good about the, the pile of, uh, or the, about, about the, the pile that you've amassed of your guilt and shame and the hole that you've dug yourself into. It'll just make you feel good about yourself. That's not what you need to hear. Who do you turn to? See, again, Nebuchadnezzar is saying, I don't just want to know what the dream was. I want to know what it means. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? There's a lot of people that are very intelligent, a lot of smart people in this world. There's a lot of people who have a lot of initials after their names and a lot of different degrees that go with those initials. You understand this? They're filled with knowledge, but they have no wisdom. They don't know what to do with that knowledge. They don't know how to apply what they've learned, right? We're raising a culture of intelligent fools. It's true, isn't it? We, we're sending our children to go and to be educated, and they're coming back more foolish than when they left. They have more education, more knowledge in their head, but they don't know what to do with any of it. So many people graduating college, and they can't find work. They have no real-world skills, no real-life skills to use and to apply. Right? Nebuchadnezzar, I, I want to know what it means. Please show me what it means. Well, what Daniel says is there's a God in heaven who knows exactly what it means. He has wisdom, and he will dispense that wisdom to you. James chapter 1, verse 5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks the ability to apply your knowledge, to know what it means, if any of you lacks that, let him ask it of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you have need of revelation, if you need to understand something in life, I'm not talking about knowledge, but if you need to understand what it means, there's one place that you can go to find that wisdom, and his name is Jesus. You go to God, you ask it, and the scripture says that he will give it generously. That means he will lavish wisdom on you when you ask. 
God, I don't know what to do. I don't know which direction to go in life. I'm stumped. I, I just, I feel lost. Will you please give me wisdom? And the scripture promises us that when we ask, he will give it generously. If you're struggling with direction this morning, could it be that you've been seeking out wisdom in the wrong places, in the wrong sources, and all the while God is waiting for you to approach him? To say, God, show me I need your help. So what does Daniel say? He says, there's a God who in heaven who reveals these mysteries. Again, this is verse 28. He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. The latter days, this is a theme that recurs over and over and over again throughout the scriptures. This idea of what comes next. Not what we're experiencing now. Not what took place in the past. Although those things are important. But here, he's saying there's something that is yet to come. We see this, Moses spoke about the latter days. The prophet Joel spoke about the latter days. Zechariah spoke about the latter days. Jeremiah spoke about the latter days. They spoke about the coming day of the Lord. All looking forward to a future date when the Messiah would come and rule and reign. And so what is being done here is Daniel saying, God has spoken to you about what's going to come next. He's spoken to you about these latter days. God has a desire for you this morning to understand what's coming next, to have a a grasp, a firm grasp on what the latter days will look like. Not only the prophets of old, not only the Old Testament prophets were faithful in giving away these, these, these future latter days prophecies and texts, but also the uh, apostles of Jesus gave away this same truth about these latter days. Look at what happened or what was said by Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3. It says this, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. So in the last days, in the latter days, there will be people who will come and they will be scoffers. What does that mean? They will be mocking the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's foolishness, they'll say. That makes no sense, they say. Why would you desire to follow after that kind of a teaching. There's no such thing as absolute truth. How can there be absolute truth? There's so many different visions and ideas and understandings about who God is. How can you say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can get to the Father through him? That, that's just not possible. And there will, in the latter days, there will arise scoffers, mockers, who will speak just like this. This is what Peter says. The, the scripture, the text, God's word, once you do be prepared for the latter days, so that when you see these things happen, you understand that the end is near. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy. I'm going to read, read it from the text here. You don't have to turn there, but just let me read this to you. He says this, understand this, that in the last days, the latter days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal and not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, does that not sound like the times we're living in today? Right? He says, be ready because this is what it's going to look like. People are going to be arrogant. They're going to be proud. They're going to love pleasure. And they're going to seek out pleasure at all costs. It doesn't matter what truth is. They just want to feel good and do what feels good right now and in the moment. Look at what Paul would continue to write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says this, the time is coming, again, speaking of the latter days, when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. There it is again. 
people who will tickle their ears. Just tell me what I want to hear. That's what the end is going to look like. The Apostle John was given this incredible revelation of what the latter days would look like. It's called the book of Revelation. It literally means an unveiling. It means the exposing of what used to be a secret or used to be a mystery now made known. Literally, God gave us an entire book in the Bible so that we would know what the end will look like. This is how the book of Revelation begins. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things which must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. The whole book devoted to that purpose. Even Jesus himself spent many, many, many times, or much time, ministering to the people in, throughout the countrysides as he was preaching, going through city to city, uh, synagogue to synagogue, delivering the gospel, delivering the good news, the message of the kingdom. And he was often talking about these latter days. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 21, verse 25. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great, great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He goes on, he says this, watch for yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and with drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell upon the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus says, be careful, because the cares of this life the carousing and the drunkenness and following along the, with the flood of dissipation, those things will be tempting for you. And if you're not careful, you'll be caught up in those things and you'll miss the coming. This is what it's going to look like in the latter days. You stay awake. You stay prepared. Jesus wants you to be ready. Even right now today, Jesus' heart for you is that you would be ready. I wonder how many here today are really truly ready, truly prepared to meet Jesus face to face, or if that moment were to happen right now, fear and trepidation would be upon your face. Your heart would sink a pit in your stomach because you know that you've been caught up in the cares of this life and you weren't living for what's to come. The latter days are upon us. Daniel says, here, listen, king, God has given you a revelation of what's going to come next, of what is coming right around the corner. Now, I love what Daniel does here next. Look at this. Uh, verse 29, to you, O king, it's been, as you lay in bed, thoughts came of what would be after this. This is a recurring dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what it is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all of the living. I'm not better than the rest of the wise men. I, I, but this vision has been made known to me in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. This isn't about me, Daniel says. And you've got to come to the point in your life where you understand that if you really truly want to be used by God today... It can't be about you. Why did God use Daniel so radically, so powerfully? It's because at the end of the day, it wasn't about, 
exalting the name of Daniel. It was about exalting the name of the Lord. He wanted his God to be known in a foreign land, and he was faithful to that, and God moved on his behalf. You see this worked out in the lives of the apostles. The apostle Peter, you can read this later in Acts chapter 10. He's praying, and he receives this vision of these unclean animals that he can rise and he can eat. Can you imagine God, you know, for the first time saying, all right, you know what, Peter, bacon's going to be okay, Right? And Peter's like, God, nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. I'm not going to do it. Three times, God says, no, rise, kill, and eat. And finally, the word says, what God has cleansed, you shouldn't call common or unclean. If I'm telling you it's okay, it's okay. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977